Welcome back to another episode of Trading Secrets. I'm your host, Jason Tardick, and welcome to the pre-market trading segment, where I tell you a little bit about our guest today, something happening in the market you should be aware of, and a little update from my personal life. First and foremost, this episode I am so excited about. We have a Gen Zer, but listen up. Listen up, everybody. I don't care what age you are, how much you make, what you do, where you're at financially, professionally, socially, or personally. Trust me when I tell you, you can learn from this, wait for it, college student. She is a college student. And let me tell you what, you'll even hear about in the recap. She was the professor and I was the student in this episode. She is absolutely blowing every single which way social media and career navigation had been done in the past out of the water. She is changing journalism, changing social media, changing the way people make money in college. You're going to hear how she made seven figures in five weeks on Snapchat. That might just be like nauseating to you, but it just doesn't end with the details and the takeaways from how she got there. And guess what, guys? This isn't someone that got lucky like me on a reality show. This isn't someone that's a pro athlete. This isn't someone that stumbled into a billionaire family. This is someone who worked her ass off diligently, thoughtfully, strategically at a really young age and in five weeks made more than both of her parents combined. You're going to hear all about it. It's an episode you can't afford to miss, and there's going to be takeaways from this episode, no matter how old, no matter what your industry is, no matter where you are, that you can apply to your jobs, to your life. I get really excited about this one because I became the student, she became the teacher. Now, something happening in the market, which is really interesting, I'm trying to think about when I offer advice and things that you need to know about the market, how do I make it more thoughtful? How do I make it more intentional with how it can impact you as opposed to scary news, because there's a lot of the scary financial news out there. But here's a solution that we're seeing a lot of Gen Zs and millennials do that are helping and allowing them to own homes in the United States. Because we know right now that mortgage rates are at about 8%, which are absolutely astronomical. As a result of 8% mortgage rates, we know that affordability goes down, right? What would have been a $500,000 house at 3% affordability is now giving people the option to buy a $300,000 house at 8% market rates. So right now, the median sale price for a house in the United States, the median is $413,874 in October, which is up 3.5% from just a year ago. And we know that the average rate for 30-year mortgages hit 8% in October, which is the highest level that we have seen in 23 years. All this information is according to the real estate site Redfin and Bankrate. Now, the thing that Gen Zs and millennials are doing, they're house hacking. What is house hacking? Well, house hacking refers to renting out a portion of your home to create additional streams of income. And more than half of the millennial and Gen Z home buyers say house hacking is a very or extremely important opportunity to take advantage of because you got to do something. You don't want to be paralyzed. Being paralyzed is the worst thing in finance, right? Being paralyzed with your cash, just sitting in idle, worst thing you can do. Being paralyzed with your money sitting in debt and credit card debt and not doing anything about it, worst thing you could do. 
According to Zillow, 39% of recent home buyers say the overall ideology, the practice of house hacking is very or extremely important. So think through that. If you're a first-time home buyer, maybe you can take out a portion of that home and use it for additional income. You can rent a room. You can rent a portion of the house. Maybe you're gone for a period of time and you could do a short-term rental. That opportunity is there. And apparently it's very prevalent in millennials and Gen Zs. Now, a little update from my personal life. So this was the, the bounce back week, the rest and recovery, the get well after New York City, Buffalo, and Vegas. I was in Nashville, got a ton of work done, and then was in Charlotte for Thanksgiving. It was just me, my mom, my dad, and the boys. We had a great time, played a whole lot of pickleball, played golf, played games. It was good to be with family. It was good to rest, relax, and be back in action. And I just found content on social media so damn funny with people talking about like the different nuances in their family dynamic and the hilarious things mom and dad do and all the fun different moving parts. It was so much fun. Now this week coming up, it's going to be a busy one here in Nashville. I'm going to be at Monday Night Raw tomorrow night. Excited about that. Shout out to Chelsea Green, the WWE superstar, reached out to uh, invite my friends and I. I have a buddy who is such a big fan. He's coming in from Buffalo just to go to Monday Night Raw and then leaving Tuesday morning. And then this week, I'll be at Sergio and Angela Garcia's foundation event back in Austin, Texas, which is being hosted by the one and only Chris Harrison. So I'm going to get to see Chris again. I'm excited about that. I'm excited to be there with Sergio and Angela, and there's a whole laundry list of different influencers and public figures that will be there. So that'll be exciting. And that's what my week looks like. So a little bit about what's going on in the market, a little bit what's happening in my life. And let me tell you what, this is an episode you can't afford to miss. Please remember always to subscribe and give us a five-star review and let us know what you think of the episode or a guest we should have on. And in the recap, we give away something from the influencer closet every single episode to you guys who leave a five-star review. Let's ring in the bell with the one, the only Katie Feeney. Welcome back to another episode of Trading Secrets. Today, I am joined by content creator and social media influencer and correspondent, Katie Feeney. Currently a junior at Penn State University, Katie is blazing her own trail into a career in sports journalism and also content creation. She has been the forefront of marrying social media with traditional broadcasting by reporting via TikTok, YouTube Shorts, and Instagram, including being the first person to ever surpass $1 million in earnings via Snapchat. You heard that right. A junior in college surpassing $1 million in earnings via Snapchat. With her massive network of over 13 million combined followers on her social media platforms, that was impressive enough. Katie might be best known for her work as the first social media correspondent for the NFL, the White House, and her everyday lifestyle content about the college life. Today, we are going to learn about how Katie created her own unique lane in social media influencing that has opened up professional and financial opportunities that almost nobody has seen before. Katie, thank you so much for being here on Trading Secrets. Hi, Jason. Thank you for having me. I'm a fan of this podcast, so I'm super pumped. 
And we are a fan of you. And I think the whole idea of what you have done at the age that you've done it and how you are changing the landscape of the way like old school corporations think about how to bring in youth and talent is just phenomenal. So I kind of want to start with that. I read a stat coming into this interview, Katie, that 86% of young Americans want to become a social media influencer. And I think about when I grew up, when I was like 10 to 13, I wanted to become a professional athlete. And I first wanted to ask you, before I even ask about what it's like to be what everyone wants to be, 10 to 13, go back to that, Katie. Like, What was your dream job? What did you think you were going to do when you grew up? I wanted to be a doctor. That was like, ever since I was young, I wanted to be a doctor or a lawyer because my dad was a lawyer. And then I wanted to go into physical therapy up until my junior year of high school, which is when the social media thing started taking off. But prior to that, I never would have pictured myself doing what I'm doing today. I mean, this is my dream job that I didn't know at the time. Right. And how do you, how does it feel that you got 80? I mean, that's a big number, right? 86% <laughs> of Americans want the job you have. Like if you think about back, like some of my girlfriends across the street growing up, their dream was to be like a Disney princess. Your job, what you're doing is the Disney princess to the young people today. How does that make you feel? And also what advice would you give those kids that are aspiring to be and have everything that you have? It's pretty mind blowing, especially because I do have a lot of young girls that follow me and I'll meet them. And I mean, my goal is to be a positive influence on them. I know that there is a lot of different creators and a lot post-mature content. My content is definitely family-friendly, and it's for girls like that that look up to me, especially in the sports space, to be a woman that they can look up to and they can see that if I can do it, they can do it too. And my best advice is just, I think a lot of people want to go into the social media space, but it is scary, especially when you're going to school and You know your peers are going to be watching your videos, but if you're passionate about something, you just have to go all in. You can't just dip your toes in it. You can, I mean, it it pays off when you definitely put in all of your effort. Yeah. I mean, it's just so cool. It's cool what you've done. It's cool what you're doing. And it's going to be exciting to see where you go from here. One of the big questions that is out there right now that like a lot of analysts are looking at and just even like economists is the whole idea of college. Like you see how much student debt each American carries, you see the earning powers of it. And the landscape is changing because becoming freelancers at such a young age is becoming a very, very attainable thing. You are literally the poster child for that, right? We're going to talk about it, but making over seven figures only on just one of your social media platforms in less than two months. Do do you think about going to college? Like, Has the thought of like, why am I even studying crossed your mind? What's your overall take as, especially with what you just said, right? Like if you want to do something, you got to go all in. Have you contemplated maybe dropping out and going back to college, just given the momentum you have? This is definitely a question I get asked a lot. For me, because this all started happening during the college application process. It was never really a thought in my mind that I wouldn't go to college. I mean, I want to accomplish getting a degree. I want something to fall back on. So I have not thought about dropping out. I'm definitely going to finish out college. I think a big part of it is also the normalcy and to be with my close friends and to be like a kid in a way. I think that it's an important part of growing as a person in addition to 
getting knowledge. My major is broadcast journalism, and there's still a lot I need to learn from the traditional standpoint. In addition to the experience I'm getting, I think the combination of the two will definitely benefit me in the long run. Yeah, I think the, the big word you use there too, I think it's awesome that you'll have that. And you're living your dream. You're at the school you want to be at. Like, that is amazing. But the one word you use was normalcy. And I was like, in my head, I was like, it's an interesting thought process and dichotomy. Because I remember, you know, when I went to college on Tuesday nights, it was called hardcore nights and it was called patron. <laughs> like, so you could go to the bar if you were a hardcore guy on Tuesday and you could get 25 cent beers, right? And if we spent 20 bucks at the bar on a Tuesday, <laughs> we were like kings running the show. And so I think about normalcy. This has to be such a different entry point with social media now in college and all your fame and success. Is it normal? Like you're walking around campus and people know how much money you're making. They know that you have tens of millions of followers, people probably asking for pictures. Like, do you get bothered in class? Is it normal? It's definitely an interesting experience. I think I went into going to Penn State as I'm going to be unknown. I'm going in just like everyone else. And I mean, I was planning on going to University of Maryland for the longest time because it's my college at home. And I knew people would know me there. But I thought, oh, if I go to Penn State, no one knows me here. Like, they're not from my hometown. I'm going to go undercover. That shortly changed at the big freshman assembly with every single freshman at Penn State, the dean announced that there was a social media star oh, among God. the freshman class. So everyone <laughs> that I thought didn't know, they all turned to look at me. But I mean, people, they'll take pictures. I mean, everyone's been actually, I've had a pretty good experience. I think freshman year was the most difficult because I was in a dorm. So I was seeing people, I had some issues, but I mean, I feel like I've met enough people and they've gotten to know me as a person where if they do see me, it's like, oh, there she is. <laughs> got it. Got it. That is that is a wild, wild world that you're living in, but a pretty cool one. A lot of people hear stories like this and they see the amount of followers that you have at, at the age you do, right? Instagram, a million. TikTok, 7.4 million. Snapchat, over a million. YouTube, 3.3 million subscribers. There are people that listen to this that will try their entire lives to achieve one hundredth of that for their businesses or for themselves or for their brands. They won't be able to do it. So I think kind of backing into some of the success strategies and tactics you've used would be really helpful for anyone out there. And I want to just start with TikTok. So my understanding is that you were on TikTok before TikTok was TikTok. It was still known as Musical.ly. When you look at when you got on TikTok, do you think a lot of your success had to do with the content you were putting out? Or do you think it was because you were such an early adopter? I'd say a little bit of both. I definitely think I was at an advantage because I was on TikTok when it first turned to TikTok. But I think the main thing was figuring out what was working for my audience. And it's changed many times. I know I do a lot of sports stuff now, but I never did any of that up until my freshman year of college. So it started with dancing with my like high school dance team or making videos like in my first period class. So it's very much just like the trends, the dances, your typical I guess, cringy musically content. <laughs> and then the TikTok content, like when I was in high school, I was doing it for fun. So I was doing it just like what all my friends were doing, except not many people were on the app yet. But I think it kind of goes with any platform when a new feature launches, when a new platform comes out, the earlier you're on, the better of a chance you're going to have that success because there's less people on it. Now I would say on TikTok, it's much harder to grow at the pace I grew at. 
I'd say the biggest growth period for me was over quarantine. I think I grew like 3 million and I feel like it was just like a few months. It was crazy. I mean, not, now at that time, like this doesn't, that doesn't happen normally. It's happened with some people, but it's very rare. I mean, you look at Charlie D'Amelio, she completely blew up. I mean, I would say that's like nearly impossible now, but I think figuring out what my niche was worked in that moment. So let's let's talk about this, something that's very relevant to right now, right? We saw Taylor Swift was at the football game watching Travis Kelsey play. That took over the world. This is one of the most influential humans in the planet going to a football game. Travis Kelsey's Instagram has, has grown like 400,000 since that moment. You're growing millions, <laughs> 3 million uh, during the pandemic when you compare it to Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. What is the secret sauce within your content or within your communication style or your imagery or audio, whatever it may be, that is getting people to actually hit the follow button at the rate they're hitting it? I'd say the big thing that's worked for me is consistency. I've never been really the person to post like one really great quality video once a week or once every few days. I was posting three times a day on TikTok and five times a day on YouTube shorts, once that came out, I post a reel or something on Instagram every day in addition to like a certain amount of stories. I think it's creating that formula for yourself and diversifying yourself on each platform because then when I'm sure we'll get into brand deals and that type of thing, but if a brand comes to you and you can post that one piece of content on Snapchat, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, it becomes that much more valuable. And I think what's working for people now and what I've seen and kind of how social media has shifted is it's really that relatability factor. You want to talk to the camera like you're talking to your best friend. I think it used to be the voiceovers and I mean, I think like looking more for what's going to go viral, but to build the community, they have to feel like they know you as a person and you have to connect with your audience. That makes a ton of sense. That makes a ton of sense. Let's go into kind of each of the areas of social media and talk a little bit about the dollars and cents. And for everyone listening that's really interested on how Katie's become a correspondent for the White House and the NFL, I promise we're going to get into that. But let's first start with Snapchat. It's the one I'm the most unfamiliar with. So Snapchat, there is an awesome interview you did. I think it was People or Us Weekly where you talked about how much money you made off Snapchat. And when you made the dollars, you got these notifications. Your first notification was $290,000 in a week. You were then asked what is the largest number you saw on a notification, and it was $600,000 a week just doing Snapchat Spotlight. So first, before we get into the dollars, just explain to people that might not know, what is Snapchat Spotlight? So Snapchat Spotlight is the short form video element that Snapchat added. So it's a separate page on Snapchat and it's going to look similar to Instagram Reels where you can just scroll and watch 15 to 60 second videos. So I was one of the first on Snapchat Spotlight, which is why I believe I was able to be one of the highest earners, which it was truly mind blowing. And I think that's like, that was the moment where I realized, oh, social media can become a career. And I, I don't think I really thought that way until I was able to see what the potential is. 
I mean, it felt like I won the lottery. It was, How are you it was always insane. the first year? But before TikTok was TikTok, it was a different name. You're there. Then Snapchat's <laughs> paying millions. You're there. How are you the first of the game all the time? I just, once I hear about something, I go. am right on it. I go. I mean, Instagram Reels came out and I was in like the beta program for it and I was posting away. I think some people wait to see if others are successful, but you just have to go in when you have no idea. I mean, I didn't know there was that much money to be made in Snapchat Spotlight. I thought, oh, maybe I'll make like a thousand dollars if I'm lucky. And then I got the first notification and that's when I started. I started posting nonstop on Snapchat Spotlight. I would post like 10 to 20 videos a day. And I mean, it wasn't even like that many videos of mine were doing super well, but because there weren't a lot of people on the app, there was only so much money to be distributed to creators. Got it. That makes sense. I'm trying to somewhat put myself in your shoes. And I think about the time I was, it was like 30 or 29, just getting off the bachelorette. I have 500,000 followers and a brand deal comes to me for about like 30 or 35 grand. And they're like, you got to do a post in three stories. And I'm like, holy shit. Now at this point, I'm like a vice president, senior corporate banker, you know, blah, blah, blah. in the corporate world, I'm like, wait a second, I'm making in one freaking photo what I make in a, a month of like busting my ass six, 70 hours a week. And so I tell my parents, I'm like, mom, you're not gonna believe this. I just got to post a photo, 30 grand. My mom was like, holy shit. You know, that's a tough of money. Talk to me a little bit about like your parents' success or their jobs or their relationship with money and how are they reacting when their daughter that is in college is calling <laughs> them to say they made a million dollars in five weeks? So I was actually a senior in high school at the time. Oh so this God. was before I had even, I was 18 years old making this. Did you have a bank so, account? I mean, yes, I had a bank account, but I mean, I had no idea what I like what to do. I mean, I was a lifeguard like the year prior. So this was just like very out of the blue, very, I mean, none of us believed it was real until we saw an actual physical paycheck. I mean, it was like, my dad was like, no way this is real. I mean, my parents are so supportive, but my dad is definitely not the social media guy. Like, <laughs> so your dad's an attorney, you said, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. And so what so does your mom there. work? Yeah, my and what mom does she like do? Part-time consignment sales. Okay. So, and she's also been very helpful with this whole thing. Like before, I had a manager. My mom is my best friend, and so she was super helpful in this too. But I mean, my brothers are like, "What? I'm working like this many hours, <laughs> and you're making this off of like a video? I mean, it really." It's mind blowing. Like it doesn't make sense. Is it a fair assumption for me to say that at 18 years old and five weeks of just putting stuff on Snapchat, you had earned more than collectively probably what your family earns in a year? Yeah. I mean, that, that is a, that's a wild, wild phenomenon. All right. So that was five weeks. And to give people context, in these spotlights for Snapchats, you're putting on content, content, content. How, how much content like in a day are we talking? A lot of it was repurposing old content I had already posted and then in addition to new content, but I'd say I was posting at least 10 times a day on Spotlight. Okay. 10 times a day on Spotlight. That was when you were 18. Times yes. have changed. Fast forward how many years now? That's four years ago? Three years ago? Yeah, like three years ago. Okay. So three years ago, what is it the Snapchat uh, revenue look like for you today? So now it's a little bit different because 
I wouldn't say I'm making the money through Spotlight. It's more through the Snapchat stories. There's a program now. It's definitely, it's becoming more saturated with the amount of creators in this program. So it's like a daily amount of money. I mean, it really, it depends on the day and how much I post, but it's all relative to how many Snapchat stories I'm putting up in addition to Spotlight. But I definitely don't post, as, I don't post 10 times a day on Spotlight anymore. I'll post the videos I post on TikTok. I kind of just like post my video in every single place, okay, including Spotlight. So you'll make one video, crush the video, and then you'll go put it YouTube short. You'll go put it on Snapchat. Yes. So, so you just repurpose it all over. Yes. Okay. That first year of Snapchat, is that was that your highest generating revenue year for you that year with Snapchat? With Snapchat, yes. Okay. But it, I would say since then, I've been able to sustain a similar revenue just in as a combination of brand deals, monetization on platforms, speaking opportunities, that type of thing. Got it. Understood. If we look at Snapchat alone, only Snapchat in the world of Katie Feeney, it's still a seven-figure business for you annually? It's a six-figure business on Snapchat alone now, Okay, but seven figures across everything everything else of course yeah. yeah got it okay so that's snapchat and i want to leave the the money mafia the people back at home that are listening just your overall sentiment on snapchat do you think it's a place if you're a business or person or brand trying to grow you should be there if you are there what are some things we should do just give us some like trading secrets into snapchat world that we might not know yeah i think snapchat is definitely going to continue to grow i've seen a huge shift in the amount of creators now hopping on snapchat there's definitely a level of that one-on-one -on -one connection with your audience. So if you're a brand and you want to connect to the people that are interested in purchasing your products or using whatever it is you're promoting, then I would definitely recommend Snapchat and interacting with story replies and posting kind of the behind the scenes that you wouldn't normally see on Instagram or TikTok because I feel like it's the one platform that has a very different form like it's very it's formatted very differently. It's this individual Snapchat stories, it's these little snippets of your everyday life that people don't normally get to see. It's funny because I I have the largest follower count I guess on TikTok, but I would say the highest engagement on Snapchat. So when someone meets me, a lot of the times they'll say, "Oh, I recognize you from Snapchat, not I know you from TikTok." Crazy. Interesting. Okay. All right. That's good advice for anybody that needs to get in the Snapchat game is a guy who needs to apparently get in the Snapchat game. <laughs> I'm going to re-download it. I'm going to be studying it all night and hopefully I can make like 10 bucks in a month comparative to I, your you million. You definitely do it. <laughs> your million in five weeks. All right. Let's transition from Snapchat to YouTube. 3.3 million subscribers is massive, is massive. I also like to bring just the reference of uh, a podcast that I listen to that I think the two girls crush it. They're everywhere. Chicks in the office from Barstool Sports. They have a massive $100 million plus company behind them, helping them, supporting them, getting them guests. They like just recently hit the 100,000 subscriber base and it was like a huge celebration. You are at 3.3 million on YouTube. Talk to me about some things that you think you've done to grow on YouTube. What are the like, give me like the top one or two things that you've done that has really allowed you to grow again at this speed. YouTube shorts, hundred percent YouTube shorts. YouTube was a platform I always struggled to grow on because I think it takes more for someone to subscribe to you as opposed to click the follow button on TikTok. 
YouTube is definitely more of a community. Okay. It's, so if someone's going to subscribe to you, your video, you're going to get notified when they post. You're going to see their videos pop up in your subscription. So they really have to like what you're putting out there. YouTube shorts are distributed, I think, probably a lot more than the long form. From what I know, it's, it definitely has more discoverability. So I have tried posting long form. That was what I first tried doing. I was at the age where it was like YouTube, the first YouTube creators were posting like my life is Ava and then there's Mr. Beast and stuff. And so mm-hmm. I wanted to post YouTube videos like those like lifestyle girl creators. And I did this in high school, but it wasn't really working for me. And then YouTube shorts came out. This was, I think this was going into my freshman year of college, but I think it also started like my senior year of high school. And again, I mean, I got on early and at first they were not growing. So I was posting YouTube shorts every day and they weren't going anywhere. But if you keep posting them every day, eventually one will hit. And once you get that first bit of momentum, the rest will start to grow and then you'll be on your way. So you have to just be patient and wait for that one video to go and then you'll be set. Okay, someone starts a brand new company right now. They're listening to this. They're listening to your advice. I'm YouTube Shorts. I'm going to do it. How often do you suggest they have to post? How many YouTube Shorts a week would they have to have? I would say as long as you're consistent, whether it's two videos a week or three videos a day, if you're consistently doing that week by week, then I think you'll see the growth pattern. But if you post for two weeks straight, and then stop posting for a few weeks, that's when the momentum will fall. So I think as long as you have your own formula, I'm one of those creators that post a lot, and that works for me. But I also know people that post once a week, and that works for them. Okay. If you had to average it out, do you think you post 15 shorts a week? I would say 15 shorts a week. 15 shorts a week. Okay. The most that you've made just not from brand deals in YouTube, right? Like, let's say I'm I'm just looking at Prime Energy right now, right? So Prime Energy drinks, they want to pay you. I'm just making this up, everybody. This isn't a formal sponsorship. They want to pay you a hundred <laughs> grand for a YouTube ad. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking just the YouTube that pays you for ads running on your content. What's the most you've ever made in a month from that? Ooh. It's interesting because the YouTube shorts monetization is very different than the long form monetization. So I'm not, I wouldn't, I'm not making the most money through the YouTube shorts fund. So I would probably say on my shorts, maybe like 15,000 in a month. Maybe I honestly am not really sure because. For me, like my largest revenue stream is through brand deals, which includes me posting on YouTube shorts. So if we're talking like, like you said, the example of prime energy drink. So let's say a certain product, they want me to post a video about it on every single platform. That's where I've had the six figure deals. But the monetization itself, I'm making the most through Snapchat. Okay. Through, okay. Through monetization itself, the most through Snapchat. Yes. But for brand placement deals, where what platform is your highest rate? TikTok. TikTok. Okay. Yes. And so when you're doing deals, is it often the case that a company, well, just whatever companies out there, 
will come to you and say, we want to post on TikTok, YouTube, and Snapchat? Or is it usually just a TikTok only deal? Like how are the structures in most of these deals? So I've definitely done less of like the one-off deals and I focus on the longer partnerships. Okay. And for pretty much every brand deal I do, it's never really just TikTok. It's usually TikTok and Instagram Reels or TikTok, Instagram Reels, YouTube Shorts. Some of them are becoming more familiar with Snapchat now. So I'll post something on my Snapchat story or I'll throw it on Snapchat Spotlight. But I would say like there's always some sort of combo going on, whether it's TikTok and YouTube or TikTok and Instagram. Okay, so let's do this. I'm your accountant. I'm sitting down. I see all your revenue. I break it up and I can decide how much you make your best year ever on just YouTube only. What would you guesstimate your best year on YouTube only revenue is? Either this year, 2023, or 2022. 2022, 2022. Can I take a guess and you could tell, tell me hot, medium, cold on the dollar amount? Sure. I, <laughs> I might not even know. You might not even it. know. I, you're just killing it. I love it. All right. How about I'm going to guess the highest, the best number from YouTube revenue generation, 3.3 million subscribers, 600 grand only from YouTube. I mean, yeah. If you combine like the brand stuff, I'd say, yeah, yeah that's probably about right. Okay, love it. Now, Instagram, let's <laughs> let's go to Instagram. A million followers. So this is where you have the least amount of followers, which is still a million. Pretty damn cool. How, what is your strategy with Instagram? Has it been a big monetization play? Because most people that we have on, Katie, they tell us that of all the platforms out there, they're making the most on Instagram, even if they have less followers. Some of the reasons we hear, they're publicly traded, they're American-based headquarters. They've been around longer, so brands have more comfortability placing deals into Instagram. And I'm curious what your take is, but I'll also give people in the Money Mafia back home, that information also is from people who are not Gen Zers, right? You are a Gen Zer. It's usually millennials that come on and say that. So I'm interested in your take on that and how you look at Instagram. Yeah, I just recently hit 1 million on Instagram. So I think that's opened a lot of doors for me. But I've done very few Instagram only brand deals. I'm starting to do more of them if it's like an Instagram reel and an Instagram story. But that's definitely like a new lane for me. I think Instagram, I also, it was one of those platforms where it was hard for me to grow up until Instagram reels. I think part of it is I'm not posting certain photos that will get me the views the thirst traps yeah Yeah. i'm not very i'm not the thirst trap girl good for you stay strong with that it's it's taken me longer i mean do whatever you want to do but yeah no it's definitely i think like across all of my platforms it's taken me longer to get to where i am because i haven't taken any shortcuts but for me like it's a lot to do with just my own values. And I'm also, I know my family watches me. My <laughs> Your dad will be like, I don't care me. how much money you make. But <laughs> so I would, yeah, I mean, I can tell with brands that they're, yeah. they definitely do feel comfortable on Instagram. And there's a lot of those like partnership opportunities on Instagram as well. Mm-hmm. But it's definitely, it's new for me. 
Okay, so we had a big CEO of an agency come on and he to support your uh, mission and character, however you decide to <laughs> pursue whatever you decide to pursue with your content strategy. He did say that in general, if you were to take a G-rated influencer versus a PG versus a PG-13 versus like an R-rated influencer, the G-rated will always make more than the PG and the PG will make more than the PG-13 and so on. So, you know, there's also some great monetization with that as well, because the lower, you know, the higher risk you are based on like your quote unquote rating scale, the more liability the less money deployed. So if there's any affirmation in what you're doing based on no shortcuts, at least you got that from that CEO. Um, yeah, I think to like add on to what you were saying, a lot of brands will use my videos for their own ads. So even if I'm not posting it, they're posting it, which definitely increases the amount of revenue I'll get from it as well, which I think is if a creator is looking to do a brand opportunity, definitely check to see the exclusivity because if they are using your video for their own purposes, there's a lot more money to be made, which I was not aware of when I first started out. That's a good piece of advice. All right, let's talk about your marquee deal, like a musician winning a Grammy or an actor winning a big award. What would you say like the dollar amount on like your dream deal has been so far when you look back at everything you've done? You don't have to say um, the brand because I don't want you to get in yeah. trouble, but the dollar amount, what would that be? Six figures. So yeah, in like the 100K range, which is just, it's so crazy to even say that. So <laughs> cool. It's like, it's crazy. But yeah, it's definitely. Pretty... Yeah. And I've had, I mean, now I feel like I've had a lot of those structured deals. A lot of it, again, is the exclusivity where I'm posting it, how many times mm -hmm. I'm posting. And the longer term partnerships is are definitely more valuable yes. than posting once. Totally. Uh, Money Mafia, stay tuned to the recap. We'll talk a little bit about how these structures increase the overall rate. And even specifically, I could tell you things that we've done in my deals that'll get the rate up or down or things and how they'll package it. But Katie, I think it's safe to assume if you're structuring the right deal that you want to get done for a longer partnership, if some brand wants to work with Katie Feeney, assuming that it's going to be 100K plus. Yeah, again, it depends on, I would say if I'm posting on all of my platforms, sure. I'd say, and if they're also using it yeah. for their own purposes, yes. Okay, cool. I want to get into what it's like to be a correspondent for some of you know the biggest places in the world, like the White House and the NFL. Before I do that, with all this money coming in, this is a money podcast too, how, how do you manage at such a young age? How do you like control your spending? How do you invest it? Like, What do you do with all this money at your age? Yeah, I don't spend a ton of it. I have a 401k retirement plan. I have a 504 plan, which is what I'm using for college. So I'd say like my big spending things for college and I got myself a car, <laughs> but I have a financial advisor. My parents are definitely a huge help as well because I was making this at, at 18 years old. So I really knew nothing, but definitely like investing and various stocks and bonds. And then eventually I want to get into real estate. So I'm hoping to do that this year in addition. But yeah, it's it's definitely confusing and I'm still <laughs> learning about it, but it's important for me to know because I need to know where is my money going and to have the awareness instead of just, yes, I have a financial advisor, but 
I need to know what's going on too. I can't just put it completely in someone else's hands. Yeah. And I have to imagine like one of the first big years you had, you're, let's just say you're 18, you're 19 and you're paying hundreds of thousands of dollars in taxes. You're probably like, what is all this? Like, I don't even like, right? Like that's a lot yeah, to take on it was, <laughs> at it a was young hard age. Because I went from I would, was making money, but it was nothing. It wasn't in the seven figure range. So I wasn't even really paying attention to what money I was like, where it was coming from and who like, I was. It was just all at once. I was like, oh, wait, this is <laughs> there's a lot I need to do here. And so that was a reality check. So I'm very organized now. But at the time, I was. it just wasn't even a thought in my head. I didn't know you could make that much money on social media. It's pretty wild. You clearly have made that money. You've been good with your money. You're continuing to build everything you build. But it's one thing to be a content creator who does well. We're hearing more about that every day in 2023. It's another thing to even be a content creator making this kind of money, seven figures in college. It's a whole different discussion. When the White House approaches you, I mean, <laughs> that is just a lee of its own. So how does this come about? How is the White House reaching out to Katie? Why and what does it look like? I thought it was fake. I, I, <laughs> I can I imagine. I would too. Through and I was like, am I being pranked right now? There's, yeah. There's just no way. So I'm a correspondent of like a photojournalism group that is called AKSM Media. So there's other college students or college grads from Villanova that are a part of it. But I do more of like the special events, so like event by event, depending on what I'm able to attend with school. So I definitely focus more on just the the bigger events, like the I went to when the Kansas City Chiefs visited for the Super Bowl, and then I went to like the holiday decorating. I was supposed to go to the Easter egg roll, but I ended up not being able to go. And then I have the opportunity to pretty much go to any event that's coming up but it's just a matter of like travel and getting there but yeah i mean going through secret service and all that it was really crazy i i didn't i never thought i'd be able to walk through the white house and then i'm there for the holiday decorating and i didn't even realize i was actually going to be fully in the white house like basically getting a tour of it i thought it was just like one room i didn't really know what to expect and it was crazy i saw like the stairs to where the president is, it was, yeah. Well, I was going to say, one of the, what yeah. is like, okay, we see the White House, we do these little tours, there's documentaries, all this stuff. What is the number one, like the craziest thing you saw in there that you could have only seen with your eyes that like you probably wouldn't see in a documentary? Um, it was really cool seeing all of the paintings of the past presidents and first ladies. That was really interesting. I mean, I think I think just seeing it in person, there's definitely like pictures. I got to like see the Oval Office. I didn't That's get cool. to go in it, but seeing it from the outside was cool. Being on the lawn. Did I you see any like food? Like, like, is there food? Do they drink out of like gold glasses only? Like what? Anything crazy? Like, like is there a big cigar was, box or something? I don't know. Give me something was, here. <laughs> I mean, there's definitely like fancy plates and stuff it was also like the christmas decorating <laughs> okay, i haven't fair. been I mean, i've been in like the press room and stuff like that but other than the christmas decorating i haven't just like walked through the white house <laughs> yeah i get that when white house asks you to do this stuff do they pay you for this or is it more just like this is you're getting an honor of working with the white house it's more of an experience thing yeah. and that like kind of going back to the question you asked me about like how much will a brand pay me if I love the brand, I will 
do it because I love the brand. And I will also do things for experience. I think I'm more focused on career building than like, I want this much money for a certain brand deal. Like that to me is, if I have that approach, then I'm only ever going to be consumed in that part of it instead of where am I going to go once this brand deal is over? Where am I going to be in five years, 10 years? I think for a lot of creators, that's the mindset that we all need to have. I think it's a great piece of advice for anyone back home that has 10 followers or 10 million. If you could use social media as a networking play just to get in front of people you otherwise couldn't have, that could create a longer term revenue stream and business opportunities that are much greater than a quick fee up front. So I think that's a great, great piece of advice. I want to transition to the NFL work you're doing. I mean, I want to paint the picture for everyone back home. I saw Katie's social media. Like, you know, when if you haven't gone to an NFL game, if you have, you'll know what I'm saying. But on the sideline, there are all these media people and they wear these very, very large tan vest that says media in big letters on their back. And they have like knee pads on, (laughs) shoulder pads on, they have elbow pads on. And the reason is, is because they're taking the craziest photos with these cameras that are bigger than our bodies. Then they have like six of them strapped onto themselves. But Katie's sitting there with that big vest. She doesn't have the knee pads, the elbow pads, the shoulder pads, the helmet. She has her little iPhone and she's taking content just with her iPhone. So you are now the first social media correspondent and you only have to bring that little phone of yours that fits in your pocket. Tell me a little bit about that partnership. How did that become reality? So the first thing I ever did for the commanders was actually in high school and I was just wearing their merch and doing like a dance they had sent me to do. And then I did another like deal with the NFL, but it was just a one-time deal. It was like a touchdown dance thing I did with my dance team. But following into freshman year of college, I was invited to just one of the commander's games with my family. And then that, I think it was that April was when the partnership began. So I think kind of going back to what we were talking about, the importance of building relationships and not asking for a certain dollar amount, you have to think long-term because since they saw me as someone that was reliable, it's also my home team. I've been a Washington fan my whole life. So I think, yeah, I mean, I I think they saw me as a person that could definitely bridge the gap between the Gen Z group and people that aren't sports fans, and then also your traditional football fan. So I think reaching that younger audience was the goal. It's been really cool and a huge honor that I was the first ever. I remember it was tweeted out and I was like, okay, now now it's real. Now it's it's not just an idea. It's going into fruition. And in a situation like that, are you being paid by YouTube or the NFL or is it st- strictly experiential? No, there is money in it. Originally, it was through the commanders. Now it's structured a little bit differently. So it's through the NFL and YouTube. Well, what's next? I mean, so you have 10 million plus <laughs> followers, you're in school, you're a junior, you've made millions of dollars, you've worked for the White House, you're working for YouTube and the NFL. What does the like one, two, five year outlook look like for you? I definitely want to continue in sports, not just doing the NFL, but the MLB, the MLS. I haven't gotten into NBA or the NHL yet, so that would definitely be something I'm interested in dipping my toes in. But yeah, I mean, if I can continue learning, 
the traditional broadcasting, but kind of like shifting to the short form, which is what I'm doing now. I think there's a whole different world of broadcasting just within social media itself and doing those iPhone interviews with the mini mics. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, I'm not talking about the plays that just occurred or like the analytics. My take is definitely more what my audience likes is getting to know the player as a person, getting to know their story, their pregame ritual, or there any like favorite fast food restaurant, stuff like that. Yeah. There who's, I remember I went to MLB all-star weekend and I got to interview like these huge MLB all-stars like Mike Trout, Juan Soto. I met Aaron judge and I'm asking these players like who has the best style on the team. So (laughs) I think it was a little bit of a breath of fresh air for them because they're so used to be at like same questions. Like what about your batting average? Yeah. (laughs) Right. And then here I come in, like everyone, I'm definitely the youngest there. I'm one of the only females there and I have my iPhone recording them. I think it's just the beginning of this new form of broadcasting. And it's definitely like, I think giving my take and my perspective of a game is, I think it's definitely, it's different, but I think for at least my audience, it's interesting to see it from a different perspective. Yeah. One thing you just said there that really clicked with me is you said new form of broadcasting. When I think about some of the peers I work with, or even people that we manage through the talent agency I own, let's, let's call it in the like 29 to 40 range. A lot of them are like, I want the next TV show. I want the next reality show. I want the next hosting job on TV. That's where they're very focused. It feels like to me, and I could be wrong, that what you're saying is this new form of journalism, it's very social media focused. Now, if you can be aligned with these huge brands like the NFL, like the MLB, and do these interviews where it will also go on their social and like maybe TV, whatever, that's the direction you want to go. Like, do you even think like that? Do you think like, I need to be on TV? I want to be on a reality show. I need to be the host of CBS. Or are you thinking more like, no, 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 I need to stay in social media however I can. And this is the world I need to keep doing well with. I'm definitely open to really trying anything. But for now, I think sticking in the social media space, I'm going to get my degree. So if I want to eventually shift to more of the traditional broadcasting or hosting of a show, Um, I'll have that ability to go down that route, especially with the connections I've made while working in sports. But I mean, I think that I think like Pat McAfee's a great example. He has built a show, but on his own. And now he's having the ability to to do it other places. But I think like that is definitely the future. If I mean, so many like if you want to go into acting, I think, it, or singing, you have the ability to build it out on your own. And then if you want to take that next step, you can do that or you can continue to do it on your own and still be successful. It's such a good perspective and piece of advice because I think so many people are like waiting for the break. They're waiting for the person to knock on their door. But today is when you can just do it. You can do it. And I think the more these large institutions like ESPN who picked up a Pat McAfee for millions and millions of dollars, they're going to realize, wait a second, there's very low risk when we write a big check like that, but this person already has an established community and show and following, all the numbers are there. And so what I think is going to happen is all those institutions are only going to pick up people that have communities that have this already proven because the risk is lower and the return is greater. And I think it even makes a greater point to what you're saying. If you want that, 
go do it, go build it. If you do, more opportunities will come. Do you agree with that? Yes, 100%. I love it. All right. Well, Katie, this has been uh, extremely informative, diving into all the different angles of social media, the different platforms where people can make money, how, some of the tips and tricks to do it. We have to end with a trading secret. So a trading secret that we can only get from Katie Feeney, one that can do with either content creation, money management, life management, whatever it might be. What can you leave us with, Katie? So I would definitely say it's, building a relationship with a brand, even if there is no money to start with, that will eventually lead to long-term partnerships and show that you're reliable, you're someone they can go to. And I think I always over-deliver. So regardless, if there's money in it, if I'm getting paid, if this is the biggest brand you all have ever done, I will over-deliver anyways. And then, yeah, they'll come to me again, or maybe they'll present a deal that's even bigger. So I think always do your best job, deliver on time. And yeah, I think that's what will make you stand out as opposed to someone else. Because every agency's they're pitching the creators they think will be best for the job to these brands. So you want to be the first name that they think of when a brand comes to them. That is such a good piece of advice, like over deliver be willing to take discounts, be willing to even do for free if you want it bad enough and and just continue to build those relationships because there are other people working on your behalf. I just have one follow-up question to your trading secret. If you think about everything you've done, you've talked about people hiring you. Is there anybody you have hired or are there any pieces of technology or resources you've bought in that have really helped you achieve what you've achieved? management i used to do it on my own but it gets to the point where it's just too much so i have a whole management team now i don't have a business um, manager but i have multiple managers but they're all part of one team so having someone negotiate on your behalf i think sometimes because i'm young you can get taken advantage of so to have someone speaking for you but then looping you in is very strategic know how to outsource and get people working on your behalf. Katie Feeney, this has been an awesome episode. We've learned so much about your journey, what has happened and what is to come. Where can everyone find you on Instagram, TikTok, Snapchat, YouTube? Where can they find all your work? Katie Feeney. It's pretty much just Katie Feeney on everything, but on Instagram and TikTok, there's two Y's at the end. <laughs> someone, someone took Katie Feeney before you could get there. It's yeah, like, it's Katie the, Feeney was taken. It's the only thing in the world you haven't gotten first to. <laughs> so, I was not on top of the username now. <laughs> not on top of it. So you know what? Add a Y. Everyone listen, Money Mafia, go give Katie Feeney a follow on all of her social platforms. And Katie, thank you so much for being on this episode of Trading Secrets. Thank you so much for having me. It was super fun. This was awesome. Ding, ding, ding. We are closing in the bell to the Katie Feeney episode. I have the one and only the curious Canadian with me. David, the voice is back almost. I'm still recovering from Vegas, but this is an episode I might have to recover from because, oh my God, was it a wealth of information. God bless Katie Feeney just tearing through. The girl is on fire. David, what are you thinking? First off, happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving to you. Happy Thanksgiving to our listeners out there. Just wanted to put that out there. So thankful for everyone who listens and so so thankful for you, Jay, and all of our guests. As far as Katie Feeney goes, I mean, talk about like a time capsule episode and just 
me and you being able to be college students together and putting ourselves in her shoes where she is now. And then you now as an influencer, obviously having to, I don't know, put the student cap a little bit on with someone who's doing it at a higher level than maybe what you're doing it on some of the social media platforms. Pretty full circle episode. Pretty interesting. She's obviously crushing it. So it was awesome to have her on. It was amazing to have her on. She is absolutely an inspiration to someone like myself in all areas, right? So obviously, you think about the ways that I monetize, right? I monetize through social media, monetize through the books, I monetize through podcasting, and I monetize through a lot through the agency. So the agency, I always look for people to work with and to learn from and to help that are doing it at unbelievable levels. She's crushing it in all those different areas at at the top 1% of the top 1%. It was cool to learn from her the analytics, the dollars, the $229,000 in one week. We could take this recap in 8,000 directions, but you think about someone that's moving at the speed she's moving, at the age she's moving with the dollars and cents behind her. It is absolutely incredible. Absolutely incredible. She could be like one of the first influencers to like own a sports team. That's the rate she's moving. It is. And she's got some crazy collaborations with the NFL, with the White House that are giving her this like now elevated level of, I want to say like brand presence and just presence as a human that it, that's adding to her resume. You said it there, the, the $229,000 check that she thought was a joke from Snapchat Spotlight. A couple of things that stick out for me that I'm wondering that we've heard for, of, from a few people now, but you really talked about like, I loved her mindset around like, have to be an early adopter, like have to have consistency. Don't wait to see if this new thing comes out to see if someone else is going to be successful. You have to be successful on it. You know, she still says like she capitalized on Spotlight. She got a million dollars in three weeks. And now Snapchat alone is a six figure business for her. The, I love when she said the Katie Feeney business is a seven figure business. I just thought all of that was just like light bulb, light bulb, light bulb for some just a Joe like me. For you, what are the main takeaways that you're taking from her success that maybe you can apply to the Jason Tardic brand? I mean, there's a, there's a million things. Let's start with 101. I think people back at home, like if there's anything you should learn from this. The one thing I want to make it clear, and I've made it clear, I've said it over and over. You're seeing the older demographic get into the TikTok Instagram game and they are blowing up because of their relatability. Yes. Because their experience is so much greater than ours. I saw someone do a it's a famous actress, I'm blanking on her name, 62 years old. She was talking about aging. And one of the things she talked about with aging was the fact she's like, listen, for more years of my life, I've been young than old. So this is all new to me. And this whole idea of what she was saying was so relatable, had over 100,000 likes, over 20,000 comments. I put that out there because anyone at any time in any place right now can get on the TikTok and get on Instagram, can get anywhere and start creating content. All of us in our Thanksgiving dinners sat with someone who had inspiration, who had education, who had something thoughtful to say. Take your damn phone out. Get your message out there. You can make impact. You can enlighten. You can educate. You can inspire. And you can make a shit ton of money. So that's the one thing I want to say. But I got a million more. But I'll stop stop there because I know you got a thought. Well, when you're saying like the older generation getting into TikTok, my TikTok's been blown up for from people from The Golden Bachelor. Like a lot of the contestants retrying on outfits they were, that they were wearing, et cetera, et cetera. But one thing that is kind of unique about TikTok, which kind of could speak to our community, I feel like, and you correct me if I'm wrong, Jay, I feel like TikTok is a platform where you're more likely to get super successful by going on there, being unknown, 
than you are having a brand and then trying to like force feed it on TikTok. Thoughts on that? You bring up a good point, and it was one I was going to bring up. I'm going to ask you, Curious Canadian, Mm -hmm. what do you think the difference is between a creator and an influencer? Yeah, I mean, I would just say off the cuff, a creator is someone who takes an organic idea that is theirs and theirs only and runs with it to a point where, you know, they're just trying to get it out there and put consistent contact out, where an influencer is someone that is established and has outside people giving them their ideas to then just repurpose with a platform that they have. I think I nailed that. Like, I think that was elite. I think you nailed it. And I actually learned this at the Forbes 30 under 30 creator top list. So there's this creator list. And I said to one of the girls at Forbes, I go, wait a second. How do you actually define creator? Define creator. Well, an influencer precisely is what you said. It's someone that has a platform from something other than content creation and then they use that platform to influence and create community. So, you know, an example would be Rob Gronkowski, right? He's an athlete, he's well known, he's a public figure celebrity, and he now has a platform because of that. So he could take that platform to influence. You then have creators, example of a creator who's been on this show. Well, obviously, you know, Katie Feeney. I'll give you another one because we've had her on twice, Corporate Natalie, right? Corporate Natalie's never been on TV. She's never been in a publication. She's not known for anything other than creating content. Those are creators. So what I will tell you is that the creator economy is blowing up at a speed that we haven't seen it blow up, one. And two, a creator economy, has it's become easier more than ever to become a creator now because of the ease of tools and the fact that the, the platforms need creators. So they are benefiting creators. So before it was impossible to grow on Instagram. You could only be a celebrity or public figure and there's no other way to do it. Now you're seeing people, they change the algorithm. If you create good content with good reels, you're going to grow at a rate just as fast as if someone's on TV, if not faster. So that's the, that's the thing right now. Yeah. Creator economy, become a creator, you can do it. Now, David, one thing I want to talk about is, you know, I asked her the question about like, how do you actually get people to convert to followers? Mm-hmm. The reason I asked it is I pulled up my analytics. The last 90 days, Take a shot. How many think? How many impressions do you think I've made in ninety days? Quickly clarify an impression. An impression is an eyeball comes across your content. Okay. In the last ninety days, you've had twelve million impressions. Okay. In the last ninety days, eighty-three million five hundred eighty-two thousand nine hundred five. So almost eighty-five million impressions in ninety days. <laughs> now here's the thing that that just frustrates the shit out of me, and this is why I asked her because I don't know how to change it. Four million. If you look at accounts that actually engaged with my content, not only do they see it, they engage, like, comment, comment, shared, etc. Four million of those people in just 90 days don't follow me. If I could convert 10% of that, 400,000 of those people that engage, share, post, comment, if I could just get them to hit that like button, that follow button, that would have such a huge impact on my overall success. It's like if you had a Jason Tardic convention and 4 million people chose to come to be there. Yeah. And when you walk and you walked past them, they would say, they would say, they would show to comment to you or they would like take a picture of you. But then when you would go to shake out your hand to like meet them, they'd, they'd like run away. <laughs> <laughs> so the idea behind how do you convert these eyeballs to followers? It's tough. It's something I clearly have to work on. And for someone like you too, you need to convert them for your business, like for your livelihood. It's not just like, I want X amount of followers. It's no, like, the, I don't give a shit about people. Hats. I know, but it's just so funny because here you're having this like 
And the analytics portion of it is so great, but also like probably drives you up a wall knowing that they're there. They're there, right? They're they're like, you know, surrounding the boat in the water and you just can't get them in the boat. So it's so interesting. And I look, I wish I, I'm I said a few episodes ago I was a big advice guy. I, I don't I don't got the advice, Jay. I don't know how to convert those people. I don't know. The only thing I could think that I could do is that people, what I've learned is that people really have to be directed. They have to be told what to do in this space. And the people that do it really well, there's a girl, Erica, she does finance. And so her whole thing is, hello, I'm an attorney. My name's Erica. And you don't have to read the fine print. I do it for you. So make sure to follow me. Every video, start and finish. That's how she ends. Your rich BFF. Hi, I'm your Wall Street girly giving you all your, you know, your personal finance. Make sure to follow for more every video. I have an ego issue because I'm like, I can't be that. I can't be like, I'm Jason Tardick, transparent, funny man, trading secrets. Go follow me. I just can't do it. I can't do it. Maybe that's what you're missing. Maybe that's a secret sauce. You just got to get out of your own way. Probably. Honestly, it's probably everyone's issue in life. I do think that that is a key with a lot of the successful social media people I see. On TikTok, especially when you scroll, their face starts in the same place. They have the same intro and the same outro. Alex Earl, like that was her whole MO. Like same, same screen, same get ready with me to go to buh, and then always end up with a bye. They all have the exact same start. So you know what you're getting into, which excites and sounds like your rich BFF, Katie Feeney, all of these people do that in their kind of delivery to kind of capture your attention right away. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's yeah, it's a lot of things. And the more and the more you gain a following, the more you can engage people, the more you could do it. I, I, I the reason I want to bring uh, to go back to the other point. The reason I want to bring them in is it helps economics, it helps the business. But I also take a lot of pride in what I put out there. I yeah. try and like really think through it. I think a lot of it's like opening my life. I think a lot of it's edu- I try it to be educational. I'm very proud of my first book. I'm extremely proud of my second. I think what we're doing on the podcast is cool. And so when you can just convert more eyeballs, you're going to try and make more impact while having more economic benefits. So it's an interesting take. I also, David, had this like conversation in depth with, I was just at this Nashville business leader dinner. So I, I actually, from a financial advising perspective, I, I have some money with UBS's high net worth group. Part of the reason I have my money there is because of access to the network of people they work with. Love it. So they have a networking dinner that I was able to go to. And I was the youngest guy in this room by 20 years. And these people in this room, I had no fucking business in this room. They were all like (laughs) ridiculously accomplished. But the one thing perspective I could give is I could talk a lot about social media and stuff. Their head spin. They don't fucking understand it. They're literally like, all I do is see my daughter. Literally, this is one of the, all I see is my daughter's taking stupid selfies all day. Like, What's the business behind it? And I was like, okay, perfect segue. Let's talk. And I pretty much took over the whole hour and a half dinner talking all about this. Mm-hmm. They couldn't, be- and I dropped some of Katie Feeney's numbers. The jaws on their faces hit the floor. And the last thing I'll say, I looked them all dead in the eye and say, every single one of you here, you're accomplished, you're respected in com- your communities, and you hold a sense of power and respect that most humans walking the planet don't. I'm telling you right now, in the next generation and certainly the generation after, social currency isn't rich CEO of this hospital, isn't Bob who owns every single commercial real estate. That's gone. 
if you want those positions of power and respect, you're going to have to be branded around some type of social media. So the best doctor in the world now will be social media. The president will be social media. You know, the next entrepreneur will be social media. Look at Elon Musk. You can hate these people, right? You can love them, hate them. Jeff Bezos, Elon Musk, Donald Trump, Dana White. You could think of Kevin O'Leary. You could think of these Barbara Corcoran. You could just n- name these business leaders that have put so much time into social media because that is the social currency. It's no longer Bob because he owns a bunch of commercial real estate in your town. That's gone. That will be gone. I mean, you're right. And you've said it multiple times on this podcast before. And I think you just summed it up there perfectly. You know, you could go list on and on. You go Dave Portnoy, you go Alex Cooper, you could go, you know, on and on with these names. And then you could also have people like Michael Rubin, who's coming out of nowhere as the owner of Fanatics, trying to get in the social media game with the white party to try and improve his social currency. That is the token. What you just said is it, because where the transition's going to happen are that these established doctors, these established teachers and professors and leaders, that don't have it are going to have to have their enterprises behind them or themselves pour into it. Michael Rubin's a great example. And you know what's so interesting? I always relate it back to like when I was a young kid, my grandpa used to get mad at me for why it's always got that Nintendo, the Game Boy. What are you, what are you doing on that thing? Like it's a waste of time. And then when our generation, we're always on our cell phones and our grandparents don't get why we're always on our cell phones. But the proof is in the pudding. You say it all the time. 86% of kids in, in school want to be influencers when they grow up. That's why people like Katie Feeney have such a, a crazy influence. And Jay, I got to say this. One thing that I find so respectful about Katie Feeney and is almost so different than everyone that we've had on is the fact that despite her very like ability to be influenced age, still in college, a lot of peer pressures, a lot of social pressures, she's still found a way to keep her content family friendly which as we know by the ratings bucket has helped increase her her demand and her popularity. And she's still focused on a positive influence for her followers, which I think is rare. And I'm going to end with this. I have five kids that I coached on the Penn State Division One men's hockey team. Okay. Big 10, big deal team. I asked them, I'm like, Katie Feeney's coming on the pod. And I was very curious to know like what her like stature is on that campus and like oh yeah they're like yeah we know her but it's not like when we see her it's not like oh my god that's katie feeney drop what you're doing and i respect that i respect the fact that she stayed in school that she's able been able to keep this kind of low profile that she's been able to absolutely make bank that she's having a positive influence and despite all this jay she's still able to have what seems like a pretty normal college experience i just think it's pretty incredible what she's doing and what she's been able to do and I think the last thing that I'll take, say on all this is my favorite takeaway of this whole thing in terms of how to, if you're going to say like, I want to be a successful Katie Feeney, what do I got to do? I just love how she over delivers. Her whole thing was over delivering. She didn't care if it was the White House, the NFL, or the first thing she ever did. She would always look at the terms of a contract and do more and more and more, maybe take less and less and less money. The White House thing she did for free. I just think she's a, she's really a smart, she's a genius, and she's got a good head on her shoulder. So big things to come, Katie Feeney. I think that's one of the consistency, no matter what generation you're talking about, Gen Z or baby boomers, if you can execute and you can over-execute, you're going to win. It just doesn't matter what we all think, we all try, we all speculate, we hypothesize, we have ideas and theories. You got to execute. And with Katie Feeney, if you want to get to that next level, you have to do it early and you have to over-execute. David, what you said reminded me of this gift that I recently saw. It's two people on a date drinking. One of the, the guys says to the girl, so what do you do? 
She responds, I'm a model on Instagram. You? He said, I'm a soldier, dot, 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 on Call of Duty. <laughs> that is 2023. Now we will end with this. We'll give something away from the influencer closet. Every time you give us a five-star review and tell us who you want on the show or one of your biggest takeaways, we give something away from my influencer closet. So this one is going to Kayla Barry 88 financial, motivational, and an inspirational podcast. I really love this podcast. I really wanted to start focusing on my finances and thought this would be a perfect podcast for me. I really liked the Tyler episode last week. He gave advice, discipline that will carry you when motivation won't. My husband and I had a really positive and productive talk about this and our goals going into 2021. Kayla Barry 88 just shoot me your email address, tradingsecrets at jasontardic.com. We'll send you something from the influencer closet. Thank you for tuning in for another episode of Trading Secrets. Next week is going to be one you can't afford to miss. We have Dr. Omar coming on. He does all the teeth work for all of the pro athletes in Tampa Bay. He did some teeth work with me. If you have a question on cavities, on crowns, on veneers, on composites, on braces, on anything teeth related, it will be recapped and discussed next episode. And in the recap, David, you and I are going to have two of our longstanding friends join us. Joe Mort and Ian Mort, an oral surgeon and a dentist in Nashville, because they are going to tell us their take on what Dr. Omar said. All things dentistry. Next episode. David, you got anything else? Yeah, I just want to give, since we're Katie Feeney, Penn State, Happy Valley, I got to give a shout out to my guys on the hockey team, Christian Sarlo, Jimmy Dow Jr., Jared Crespo, Dylan Gratton, Jay. I am going to Penn State, Happy Valley for the first time for senior night for my boys, Jimmy Dowd and Christian Sarlo. Close to the end of February. Don't know if you're interested. We can make a trip, maybe tie it in together, a little Katie Feeney, Jay Tarter collab. Let's, let's think about it. Listen, I, I just found out I'm doing Chris Harrison, Ben Higgins, Pebble Beach Tournament end of February. But if it doesn't coincide with that, okay. Penn State, I will be there. I've never met someone from Penn State. I don't like. Shout out to your boys because they're a bunch of beauties. Shout out to Katie Feeney. And if we're going to talk Penn State, we got to talk about the one and only. Terry Pagula, Mm -hmm. the owner of the Buffalo Sabres, the Buffalo Bills, and the Pagula Ice Center, which he donated to Penn State, former Penn State alumni. Penn State is moving the maps out here. David, you got anything else before we wrap? No. That's it. Happy Thanksgiving to everybody. Happy Thanksgiving. Last week, we are now in December. This week, hopefully this was another episode of Train Secrets, one you couldn't afford to miss. 